Well, good evening. This is Matt, and welcome to another episode of Box of Cameras. All right. Kind of back in the saddle, getting all my work done, and, well, you know, recovering from the ultra-hot weekend. Uh, what's new? Well, let's see. Shot some double exposure for film exchange for the Negative Positives podcast. I shot one roll of that. I got another roll I still need to shoot. Um, what else? Um, kind of sat down and planned out a few things that I got to get taken care of photo, photo, photographically wise speaking. Outside of just doing podcasts, they seem to be kind of random, but I got a couple things I wanted to accomplish. Um, really kind of looking more towards later in the year. Want to make sure I've got my gear, everything ready for when uh, my wife and I take our trip. We're going to go out to the Finger Lakes area of New York in the middle of fall, celebrate my wife's birthday. And um, basically want to make sure that uh, I'm all set, prepared to take fall color photos in fall color land in upper or somewhere in New York. Anyways, that's sort of one of the things that we're looking at. Um, looking at maybe thinning the herd a little bit, so to speak, you know, but in the end, it's just like a farmer. You get rid of some cows just so you can get some more kind of, uh, my process anyway. Um, What's happening? Well, you know, we, we had this really hot, super hot weekend, and now uh, it's going to get hot again. Although we did have a nice little rainstorm last night. Of course, I was mowing the lawn, and then right in the middle of it, poured down rain. So uh, I had to finish up this evening, which I did. And I uh, thought I'd rip out a quick podcast here because I got a subject that I hope is brief. At least I think it will be brief. And we're going to touch on that in the upcoming segment. Okay, the camera I want to talk about today is extremely lo-fi, no-nothing, basically a mid-century box camera. So when we talk about box cameras, we're talking about cameras that don't have any adjustments that you can make. Um, Back in the day when Kodak had like their different brownie box cameras made out of cardboard or metal, basically you loaded it with film and you snapped the picture. You hit the shutter or pulled a little slide to do the shutter and you advanced the film. There was no setting of the aperture, um, no shutter speed, no ISO, none of that. Um, box cameras evolved mainly uh, uh, with uh, the advent of plastics. Um, so they, they kind of changed shape, you know, as, as we got into the 50s and 60s with all the different mid-century designs. And, um, you know, people were making them out of injected plastic and found out they didn't have to be made out of a squared cardboard box, but you could make them all different shapes. But they always retained one thing, a single lens, a single shutter. And that's kind of the beauty of, of box cameras in and of themselves. I mean, I could go on and on about them. I love shooting box cameras, especially ones that, that are so 
old that you can't see what you're doing you basically load up film you snap you know you hold it up there and just sort of point it in the right direction and hope you get it right the thing about them though is because they they were made to work with the films of the day um you know read that to mean lower shutter speeds or lower iso films you see a lot of high speed film back in the 50s and 60s um you know they 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 have things that sort of still function and work and and it can really produce some outstanding images one of the main things about them is they all take some type of medium format film 620 120 would be the primary types you also see 127 as a format um and there are some others that i'm not going to go into because i don't know too much about them but things like 116 and there are even four by five box cameras that you, you can find them out there uh, but i'm i'm going to be talking about one specific model and that is the imperial savoy this is a plastic injection molded camera made by the imperial camera company in chicago illinois and this company made all kinds of different um, uh, injection molded cameras of all different formats, box cameras uh, primarily. Um, I've, I've seen and found so many different models that I kind of assume some of them when I see them are just a version of an Imperial. They'll have different badges on them. Um, uh, Tower would be a brand that you would see imperial you would see uh, they made one for the girl scouts one for the boy scouts um, but several different models and, and the thing is is they used all different formats of film and so you can you can find some that you can actually use with today's 120 format film and i'm even going to talk about something a little bit different than that but the imperial savoy itself is just a fantastic little box camera very small um, I don't know how much this thing weighs, you know, a few ounces. Um, mine is gray with a darker gray or charcoal back. The front slides out, you put the film in, you snap it back on. It's held in by a little pressure thing here on the bottom. Um, the Imperial Savoy itself does not take 120 format medium format film it takes 620 film now i'm going to do another segment all about 620 film and how to deal with it one of the things i want to talk about with this imperial savoy camera is it was really uh, very much consumer oriented and really reflected its times this thing specifically comes in all different colors there's one and this is probably the one you've seen pictures of the most it's uh, like bright green, seafoam green. It looks like uh, toothpaste or something like that. Um, you know, it's, it's basically, um, I've seen these come in red. I have seen them in uh, blue, brown, tan, gray like mine. Um, just all kinds of them. I think that if you go to see them for sale, especially if you're looking on eBay. Um, you're going to see primarily people listing the green one, and I think that's kind of a, a popular one. So people tend to get um, 
they ask you a little bit more for those but you can usually pick up one of these for twenty dollars you know with little effort with little bickering or bartering or anything like that you can usually pick one up for twenty dollars sometimes less maybe a little bit more um the the reason though that that it's a camera that that i use i pulled out at least once or twice a year and run run a roll of film through it is because it really produces some pretty outstanding photographs if you like the style in which it produces them okay one of the really cool things about photographs taken with the imperial savoy is that you get that vignetting that you, you tend to get from um, older cameras this isn't an app this isn't a filter it's the real deal um, you get a nice real vignette they, they take square photos you know the six by six photos um, and you get a nice little vignetting around the corner sharpness in the middle and as it fades to the edge you get a little bit more fuzziness or out of focus as as it goes you know, if you think about it, sharp in the middle, getting a little bit more out of focus towards the ends and some vignetting. Well, guess what? That that describes, you know, half the photo apps that are out there on your phone. Uh, this is the real deal taken on film. You don't have to introduce or edit or do anything. You will get that kind of a photograph. Um, and yet you will get some surprisingly clear and, and well-focused cameras. Basically, anything after about 10 feet from the camera will be in focus and relatively sharp. And that's what always impressed me about the camera itself. Um, you know, the mirror is, excuse me, the, the lens is plastic. There's no special coatings or anything like that. So yeah, you occasionally will get some lens flare, um, that type of thing. So if you're looking for that kind of an effect, this is the camera for you. A lot of people shoot Holgas and Dianas because this is the effect that they have. And yet the Imperial Savoy is, is kind of easier to deal with. Well, not really, because we're going to talk about that in the next segment. But um, it's easier to accomplish that type of a photograph. And I think that in my experience, I've gotten much fewer bad throwaway photos than I do with like a Diana um, or even a Holga. Now I love shooting my Holga. My Diana has become kind of a pinhole camera these days. Um, but if that's the kind of thing I'm looking for, retro, vignette, sharp to out of focus, this is the camera for you. Um, you know, to give you some comparisons, you know, you can also shoot like a uh, a Kodak uh, Hawkeye Brownie Flash. That same, it's the same kind of form factor. Square, almost cubist, with a shutter, and that's it. And the thing about both of them is that they both require 620 medium format film. It's a format that you pretty much can't buy anymore new. No one really makes it. But you can deal with it and find ways to use 120 film in those cameras. That's what I'm going to talk about next. 
Okay, here's the rub on this camera and so many box cameras. Um, from out, I don't know what I just did. I hit a button on one of my cameras here. I didn't know it was on. And it just rattled off like eight shots. Oh, well. <laughs> and the lens cap was on too. That's great. Anyways, I'll deal with that later. Uh, <laughs> i got to find a better system to store my cameras. That's what it is. Anyway, um, shooting film in these old box cameras, there's so many cameras out there, whether it's Kodak or Imperial or any other company that made cameras back in the day, so many of them take 620 format film, which is medium format film on a specific sized roll. Um, it's basically the same film and film backing as 120. It's the spool that's different. Um, 120 format film, pretty universal. Even back in the day, so many different companies made cameras that did 120 film. Um, but Kodak, you know, always forward-looking, decided that, you know, they wanted to have people buy film just from them. So they started manufacturing and urged other companies to manufacture film or cameras that took 620 film. And the only difference is the size of the spool. A 120 film spool is just a shade longer, not even a millimeter, not even half a millimeter, just enough where it won't necessarily fit into a 620 film camera. The other thing is that the flange on the end of the spool on a 120 film camera is wider than on a 620. So it's the spools that don't necessarily fit. So here's a couple different things that people use, that people do so that they can use 120 film spools in a 620 camera. The first thing is jam the 120 film spool in there and roll it up and use it. Some cameras actually could use both. They didn't care. There's several brands out there. I think there's a few Agfas. Some people have had luck using 120 film spools in their 620 brownies. Mine doesn't take them. I've tried it. it just doesn't work. But that's my personal experience. But I know a lot of people that just shoot the they just jam a 120 film thing in there and away it goes. Everything is fine. Um, the other thing that people will do, and I've tried this with yeah, not very much success. Again, I think this is dealing, the reason for the lack of success though, has more to do with my specific cameras than the method itself. Because other people have done this method with their cameras and, and it's worked beautifully. And they go and they take like a pair of toenail clippers and they trim the flange to make it a little bit smaller. If you look at the end of a 120 film spool, there's like a little groove around the edge and they'll just trim back to that particular point. Makes the flange smaller, lo and behold, it will fit into their camera and they can go ahead and use it. Like I said, I haven't been able to do that. The issue I've had with my 620 cameras is the width of the spool just being a hair longer. And so there's really no good solution. You can, you can sand it down, I suppose. I've heard of that. That seems like a lot of effort to me. 
when there's a different method that I'm going to explain here in a moment. Um, there, there's people that will do that. They'll both snip the, the spool and sand it down to make it a little bit smaller. And that's, that's, if that works, great. What I do is I re-spool the film and backer from a 120 film spool onto a 620 film spool. Um, has to be done in a dark bag in complete darkness. And, you know, there's always the risk of maybe scratching the film or not getting it on completely or tight enough. And you can maybe get a light leak here or there. But if, you're, if you take it easy, slow down, you can do this. I'm going to walk you through how I do it. Again, everything in a dark bag, in a changing bag, whatever you want to call it, uh, completely sealed off, no light. So you got to do it all by feel. So what I like to do is I take the 120 film, the brand new one, and I'll tear the little tab, you know, the little glued on tab before I put it into the bag. Just so I know where it's at and I know it'll unspool. And what I do is I then take another, I take a, a, a empty 620 spool and I also put an empty 120 spool. And what I do is I just roll the 120 films onto the uh, empty 120 film spool. Basically making it so that instead of the tab being from the front of the film, it's from the back of the film. So I just rolled on as if I was exposing it, you know, just all the way rolled on until I get all the way to the end. And then there's the little tab that you would have that has a little sticky thing that you use to seal your film shut. Okay, then I set this, the 120 film spool aside, grab the 620, feed it in there, and just start rolling it back on. Just the exact opposite of how it came off. At some point, you come to the point where the film is. The end of the film is not taped down. The beginning is. It's critical that you don't untape anything. But it's also critical that you get a good tight wind as you rewind the film. The reason for that is because the, the film will sort of shift on the backing ever so slightly. And it may cause you issues when you go to use it going forward. And there's a couple solutions to that, which I'll talk about. But basically what you do is you wind it on there, getting it as tight as you can, but also not touching the film emulsion um, and just going slow, going slow. And then you get to the point where it's taped, where the tape, uh, where the film is taped onto the backing. Now you've got really a couple options here. Number one, you can just leave it. If it's on relatively tight and it's not shifted much from the, the backing, just roll on. You're probably just fine. If it's shifted a little bit too much, meaning you didn't get it very tight, your option is to gently peel the tape from either the backing paper or the film, whichever is easiest. But I'm going to tell you right now, you're better off doing it from the backing and go very gently because you don't want to peel or rip the backing. You just want to get the tape off. And so what you do is you get the tape off and then immediately just retape it so everything is flat. That's the best way to do it. Um, if you mess up, well, you might have to grab some masking tape and jam it into your, your dark bag and find a way to tape it on. But bottom line is you want that to be as flat to the backing paper as you possibly can. Roll it on the rest of the way. And what I like to do once I get it rolled on is I'll just immediately, I'll like 
put another piece of masking tape around it just to make sure it's sealed up or even better just immediately put it into a camera spool it on and i'm ready to go and then from that point forward i'm shooting and doing everything just like i normally would um, i develop all my old film all my own film so i don't really care about things like um um Oh, what I do with the spools or getting my spools back because I never lose my spools. But if you send it off to be developed, put a note on there that you want to get your film spool back because those 620 spools are, are while they're not hard to come by, you don't want to give any of them up. You need every last one of them is the way I look at it. You got to have two at least to use a camera, a 620 camera. So the more the merrier, that just means more different films you can shoot and switch between. Okay, what's it like shooting one of these old box cameras? Well, it's an adventure. Um, specific to the Imperial Savoy, is it? It does have a viewfinder. It truly does, yeah. There's this little hole that you look in in the back. And it's like this little ridge on the top. And in there, there's a little thing that you look through. And the thing is, is it's pretty much useless. By that I mean the, the image is really tiny. It's a square image, but it's, it's not magnified. As a matter of fact, it's kind of um, minimized, the opposite of magnified. So your image looks even smaller. That's right. It looks even smaller in the viewfinder than it does in real life. But it does help you if you just hold it up and you can kind of get an idea of what might be in your picture. It's got on the top right side, right corner, little plastic shutter. You just snap it down and away it goes. Shutter speed is about sort of in the neighborhood of 1 over 30, maybe 1 over 60 or somewhere in between there. As you can see, relatively slow shutter speed. It's going to let a lot of light in because the cameras in the films of the day, when it was in its heyday, there weren't a lot of high-speed things in there. I've shot 400 ISO film in here with no problem whatsoever. Um, I've shot ex you know, expired film. And actually, my really old expired film, I've had some more issues with that because that needs a lot of extra light. So I got to make sure that on my old expired film, maybe something that if I were metering, I'd want to shoot around six ISO. I want to make sure that I'm shooting that in the brightest part of the day. But a lot of my other stuff, you know, let's say I've got a old Veracrome pan from the seventies or the sixties, you know, I just put it in and shoot and I've had pretty decent luck with those. Again, if you're shooting modern film, don't worry about it. Throw it in there, take a shot, uh, be prepared for some really cool effects. Great at landscapes, great little landscape thing, uh, great at taking uh, photos of things, objects. Obviously, it's not a sports shooter, but hey, if that's your thing, go ahead and give it a, give it a go. Um, you know, to me, it's another one of those conversation starter cameras. You pull it out, people are going to say, what on earth is that? And you're going to have a nice little conversation with them. So that's always fun. Um, if you want to see some examples, you know, I've got quite a few up in my, uh, in, well, I should say quite a few. I've got several in my Flickr stream or my Flickr feed. 
I think I've got an album in there for those. But really, I would point you to um, Eric Swanger. Conspiracy of Cartographers is his, um, his Instagram post or his Instagram handle. And he uses one of these. And he's really the guy that kind of inspired me. I saw these photographs he was doing. I was like, that's pretty outstanding. I mean, it's just from a cheapy old box camera. You know, I'm sold at that point. So he's been using one of these cameras for years. Takes great photographs, cross-processes a lot of stuff, and I would highly recommend him as somebody you should follow in whatever form you follow. Instagram, Flickr, blogs, whatever. Eric Swanger, Conspiracy of Cartographers. Anyway, again, I think that uh, little box cameras are fantastic. I recommend them. Uh, realize that you're going to have to put some effort into them specifically around film, either sourcing the film or getting the film to work with the right format. Don't let that deter you from trying out a nice little box camera because you can get some truly outstanding photos that you could never recreate, you could never Photoshop. The only way to get them is through these nice, wonderful little box cameras. Oh, and the bonus being that since they're shot on medium format film, there's all kinds of film, all kinds of places to expose. And that's one of the reasons why you get such um, great photos out of these little cameras. Anyways, I want to thank everybody again for tuning in, tune, tuning out, or whatever. Tune in, turn on, tune out, whatever. Um, I just want to thank you all for listening. Thanks for all the kind words I hear through different social medias. You guys are great. I look forward to interacting with you all summer long, giving me ideas and inspiring me to do different things. It's a box of cameras on Instagram, box underscore of underscore cameras. Matt Melcher on Flickr. I have a personal account, Matt Melcher. And also you can email me at mattmelcher at msn.com. And I look forward to, to just seeing what else you are up to. Have yourself a great day, great evening. Get out there and just make some fantastic film, film photographs. Have a great day. Goodbye.